0: It's Fire Away Friday Friday. on Exploring the Word. This is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. It's Fire
1: Away Friday on American Family Radio. You know, one of my favorite verses from John 17, 17, it says, Thy word is truth. The Bible is the word of God, and the Bible is truth. And you know, that's really a quote from Psalm 119, verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth. And with that, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with Bert Harper. And uh, Bert, when we open the Bible, when we read the Scriptures... That is truth, and uh, here in 2021, we need to build our lives on God's truth, don't we?
2: We do. And it's truth whether someone recognizes is it a truth or not. God says his word is going to go forth and accomplish that, what he sent it forth to do. And that's regardless of what men might say. So when you call this number, we want to share with you the truth of God's word. We open up our phone lines, 888 589 888- Five eight nine eight eight four zero with Fire Away Friday. But Alex, what a verse to start with. Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. Now the way you're going to be set apart in this world is in obedience to the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you, it does change, the word of God does change lives as it is applied to our lives. So uh, we uh, we're just excited about today, Amen. Fire Away Friday. Alex, it's one of our favorite days. It's one of the— it really One is. out of seven, it's one of our favorites.
1: <laughs> well, and, and let me say, our lives don't change the Word of God, but the Word of God can change our lives. And, you know, I want to say this, folks, truth is still true, even if nobody believed it. And wrong is still wrong, even if everybody believed it. And so I'm going to give this number. We want you to call in with a Bible question. Bert and I will do our very, very best to give you a good, factual, Bible-based answer. But the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And you know, uh, earlier today, Bert, I had somebody come up to me out of the clear blue, and they had a copy of 100 Bible questions and answers and they asked me to sign it and I, I didn't forge your name. so <laughs> I said, well, you know half of us can sign it so I signed it and uh, but anyway, I, this has been a great year. Um, in spite of all the challenges, we thank God for all the people that listen, all the people that have indicated that through this show uh, you've made a decision for Christ. Earlier this week, we had on Hannah uh, from Samaritan's Purse and the Shoebox Ministry. Bert, I think about we've uh, talked to Eight Days of Hope this year. We've talked to Truth for Youth about the Bibles. We've seen Sheraton just, uh, And then you and I had our very first book come out uh, just about six weeks ago. And uh, as December ebbs away... I give God the glory for a go- a great great year of ministry.
2: We glorify His name. One that we did not mention that I want to mention: preborn. What a oh, ministry my that is! Is they, I mean, not only are babies' lives saved, but ladies and men even who come and uh, seeking an abortion, and they see that child uh, uh, through the ultrasound, and they change their mind. But many times their life is changed through Jesus Christ so exploring the word we help carry out part of our mission statement we do it exists to activate to inform and educate people to get involved in the cultural issues of life and to aid the church in carrying out the mission of the Great Commission, and we do that, Alex, as best we can on exploring the Word, because the Word of God speaks to culture. And uh, listen, let the Word of God speak plainly and loudly. Hey, we've got people that are already calling in, but we got wow. one or two lines open, and we want to. I, I love to get to as many calls as we can on Friday. I kind of keep a running table table of how many we get to, and the most we've ever gotten on a Friday is thirteen and well, uh, today
1: will equal <laughs> or surpass that perhaps. let's
2: go at it with that in mind uh we're going to go to oklahoma and talk to timothy timothy welcome to exploring the word
3: Yes, how are you doing mr harper and mr alex mcfarland and pardon the wind i'm on a roof i, I do roofing, and construction and stuff oh be wow will you be careful how, how high is the roof just one story yeah it's just one story it's about a uh five on twelve and putting on some God's blessed us with some good laminate shingles. And you know what? First, before I make a, te- a statement, uh, I want to testify. We've been needing a, re- re- was a foundation repair at our church and a roof repair. And someone came in and donated $30,000 to our little small holiness church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 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 We
2: hey, somebody out there heard that, and they're going to be moved to do that for their church. I praise the a- Lord. Hey, Timothy, great job. Hey, you got a, a question or a comment for us? Yes, uh, I'm actually the one that's called in, not consistently, but at times in
3: uh, – uh, last time I called in was about um, eternal security, and we, we talked about that. So you know, that's kind of a horse that's been kicked multiple times, but uh, brother, uh, is, there, is it – is there room – like I said, was there room for Calvinism? and arminianism in uh, christianity but the second thought on that you know this is the actual question uh if one of them is holds falsehoods like if my faith or the other opposing uh faith holds falsehoods would that actually is there room for falsehood because didn't jesus said you know you're you're supposed to buy the truth and sell it not and and anything that's not of the truth is of a lie i mean is that acceptable
2: Let me Hmm. just share with you, Timothy. That's my question. I appreciate you, man, and appreciate you listening, appreciate you calling. I I just want to share with you, when you read the Word of God, when it comes to man's accountability, you see it. It is plain. Uh, Man is accountable to God. When you read the Word of God, you see the sovereignty of God, that God in his knowledge and in his wisdom Uh, has made it possible that we are saved through Christ. And there's no doubt in my mind that he did that. Uh, There's room. There is room. And Alex, uh, you know, we have a hard time as men dividing things. Uh, The only thing is the word of God is able to do that. But God is a God who cares for us and loves us. And through grace and truth, we talked about that yesterday in great length. You remember in John, grace and truth. That's where it meets, folks. Concentrate on grace and truth. The truth is you're saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We need to understand that. And that is God's truth is no one comes to the Father except by him. There's no other way. Alex it is Jesus and only Jesus that anybody's saved, isn't it?
1: Well, that, that's true. And, you know, folks, in 1 John chapter 5 in the New Testament, 1 John, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Okay? How do you get saved? How do you become born again? Well, 1 John 5.1 is very clear, believing Jesus is the Christ. Now, here's the thing theology is our attempt to understand the Word of God. And, and I want to say this, salvation through faith in Jesus is one thing. In fact, it's life's most important thing by far, no question. Uh, but none of us have perfect theology, you know? I mean, uh, the question about getting into heaven is not, what do you believe about election, Uh, What do you believe about end times? What do you believe about the age of the earth? Now, good, godly, well-intentioned people have opinions about the age of the earth, uh, election, the end times. But getting into heaven is about believing in Jesus. And Augustine, uh, St. Augustine, 1,600 years ago, he said that um, if we are perplexed by a passage of Scripture... Um, it may be that we have it right, or maybe we have uh, misunderstood. Here's the thing. The Bible means what it means, and the Bible is truth, even if we don't always understand that truth. So to the caller's question about believing something false, you know, Bert, I'm going to be honest. You feel free to disagree. Probably even the greatest Christians that have ever lived, from Spurgeon to Billy Graham, have probably had some beliefs that were false. N- not about Jesus. I mean, obviously Jesus. But listen, none of us have all of the truth, and and even the best of us might read a verse of Scripture and not understand it correctly.
2: I could not agree with you more. I want to quote someone that you knew personally worked with, Chuck Colson.
1: And oh, I he did. Said,
2: I I, I, that man was one of the wisest men I ever read and, or heard. And, and it, God just gave him an anointing uh, after salvation to, to get into the word and make things clear. He said, There's no person, no church, no denomination that, he, that has it all correctly. And he said, mm-hmm. And I know why we're human. And in our humanity, we are limited. Even the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives and Him showing us we're still in that human state that cannot comprehend all the things of God. It is bigger and broader than we could ever begin to understand. And one of the things that's blessed my life is to understand that. Thank you, Timothy. We're going to try to get another question here in, and it's Bernard from Georgia. Bernard, welcome.
3: Hello, how you doing?
4: Doing well. I, I want to engage,
3: I want to engage, Alex, about, maybe a couple of three weeks ago, you said something about the creation of the angels before the foundation of the yeah. world. Now, how does that, how do you reconcile that with that verse, and I think it's Exodus somewhere around verse 11, everything was created, and heaven or earth was created in six days?
1: Oh, he, he. Yeah, well, you know, in Job 38, it talks about the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Uh, So, and, you know, I think about this, that it may have been that the angels, this is another one of those areas where we just, we don't quite know everything, but uh, the angels might have watched as God created earth, and, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, here's a realm different than heaven maybe satan's jealousy and lucifer's jealousy and pride was about you know what is god doing with earth and uh, at some point we we have to know this at some point prior to the creation of adam had to have been the fall for lucifer to plot and plan and come into the the serpent so exactly when the angels were created uh, I don't exactly know, but I know it had to be sometime before Adam. Would you agree, Bert?
2: Yeah, when you look at what took place in the garden and, uh, you know, here's the serpent and Lucifer enters in, Satan enters in and uh, manipulates him, uses him to, to persuade Eve to partake of this fruit this, that was not to be taken off. The creation of that being had to be before that. And mm-hmm. when you look at the scriptures of if Ezekiel and Isaiah are right, in and us interpreting that, that that was demonstrating the fall of, of Satan from heaven. It was before. And your comment, Alex, was in a different realm. And, uh, mm-hmm. it. you know, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today. Every time I've tried to put God in a box, he breaks out of it.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) And and that has
2: to do with our thinking. You know, our thinking is limited. God's is he's unlimited.
1: Yeah. I do believe Exodus twenty eleven in six days God created the heavens and the earth. I'm a six day creationist. But when those angel angelic beings were created, I just don't know. Hey, this is Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane, Bert Harper, stay tuned. We're gonna get your calls in when we come back. Don't go away.
5: This is Pause to Pray a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today we pray for Rahul Gupta, Director of National Drug Control Policy. As our nation's drugs are, he evaluates, coordinates, and oversees anti-drug efforts in our country. Psalm 138, seven reminds us of the protection the Lord provides us. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Rahul Gupta as he leads the fight against drug abuse in our country. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
5: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. With the generous support of listeners like you, our radio ministry is in our 4th year on the air. Keep the power of prayer going and become a regular sustaining member. Details at pausetopray.org.
0: The Bible teaches that God has an agenda, a plan. We call it his will. But Dr. Tony Evans says the Lord has two different kinds of will, and he'll tell us about them today as we spend two minutes with Tony.
6: God's unconditional will
0: is what he decides to
6: do regardless of what anybody else does. In other words, he's going to do it, period. But then God has a conditional will. His conditional will is, I'm not going to do it until you do what I told you to do for me to do it. In other words, it's tied to a condition. It's tied to you fulfilling something that God wants done. That's his conditional will. The reason why God tells us to pray is so that we can link into his conditional will. Because his unconditional will is going to happen whether we pray or not. So many of the things that we pray for, we don't get because we didn't meet the conditions. How do you know if something you're asking for is unconditional, he's gonna do it, or not do it anyway, or conditional? If you're not sure, then you treat it like it's conditional. And you do everything you're supposed to do so that if it is conditional, you've met all the standards for God to fulfill his conditional will regarding that situation. I'm going to make sure I pray. I'm going to make sure I trust. It's in the hands of Almighty God of whether it's conditional or unconditional. But what I don't want it to happen is I don't want it to be conditional and I didn't do what I was supposed to do.
0: Learn more principles that can get you aligned with God and His power. Check out Tony's CD series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
1: What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right?
2: Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. We're going to try to get to as many calls today as we can, so we're hurrying on, and we're going to go to Texas and talk to Jay. Jay, welcome. Thank you very much.
4: You uh, bet, quick man. Quick question for you on, uh, regarding
7: Psalms 23. In Psalms 22, it talks about some of the experience that Jesus went through, and if I uh, remember correctly and if talk correctly, these scrolls did not have chapters. Chapters were added later for us. So would Psalms 23 refer to what Jesus may have experienced after the cross?
2: Okay, mm-hmm. great thought, Jay. Let me tell you, the, the letters and the narratives that were written uh, did not have the divisions that were put in there for our benefit of location, uh, the Psalms are a little different than that, Alex. Uh, they each one stand alone. They were the song. Someone has called it the song books, you know, of the Bible. Yes. And, the hymn and book. yeah, the hymn book. And so uh, the Psalms, you know, they're they're different than the narrative. They do stand a- alone. Each one of them. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, they do. And Psalm 22 is just wonderful, very messianic because Jesus quotes it from the cross And then Psalm 23, which is very frequently called the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, You know, I I think they were two different writings, each with um, wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, You know, I I do think that Psalm 23, if there is a connection and there's a, a related theme, Psalm 22 is more about the atonement. Psalm 23 is almost about I mean, it could definitely be applied to the church, Christ being the good shepherd, his followers being his sheep, and he he takes us to the good pasture, and he protects us through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, verse 6 really is like the life of a Christian. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Bert, I know uh, the ancient Jews pre-Calvary couldn't have probably understood this, but... Um, it's almost like you've got atonement and ecclesiology, Calvary paying our sin debt, Psalm 23, the life of walking with the shepherd. It's almost like salvation and uh, the church in two separate psalms, isn't it?
2: It is. And someone has said, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Someone has said, the Lord is my shepherd, what more could I want? Amen. And and that is so true in so many ways. Because it says in the Bible, in the New Testament, God has given us everything that we need. What more do you want? And so Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is enough. But, Jay, that is a great question, and I appreciate you doing that. And Psalm 22, listen, every time I read it, I think... Uh, I just am overwhelmed. A thousand years before Christ is on the cross, and even before crucifixion became a method of, of, of death, uh, it was written and describes it. So that's the power. You, we started off talking about the truth of the Word of God, Psalm 22. I think Alex illustrates that in a great way. Thank that's you, amazing. Jay. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Jerry. Jerry, Welcome. Jerry, are you there? You, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes, I'm here. Go ahead.
3: Okay, my question is, um, and hopefully I'm actually right. When we get to heaven, oh, okay. Can you hear me now?
2: Yeah, yes. that's better. Yeah.
3: Awesome, awesome. Uh, you guys are doing a great job. I appreciate it. And my question is, when we get to heaven, will we all be the same, just saints praising
2: God? Uh, will we get different rewards, uh, be at different levels in heaven? Mm. Alex, I believe Burton. when we get there, there's going to be a little bit difference. But after we get through throwing, those of us, or those who, I should say, get get rewards and they throw them at Jesus' feet, uh, we'll be equal. But I heard this said, and I'll see if you disagree or disagree. I heard it said by two awesome men that i i respect they affected my life so much dr bobby moore a great pastor out of memphis tennessee just one of the godliest men i knew joseph son who was uh, sent from romania he pastored in romania he said this he said our service down here will affect our appreciation of heaven later on in other words uh, the, the greater the service, the greater you get in to know the Lord, the greater is your uh, capacity to know heaven and enjoy it. Now, everybody will be there, uh, but it also says if you've been faithful over a few things, he'll make a faithful over many. Alex, how do you reconcile all that?
1: Well, you know, in First Corinthians chapter three, Paul is talking about um, you know who does different things in the body of Christ. I think it's very interesting. Six and seven, he's Paul said, "I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase." So then, neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God gives the increase. Then it goes on, talks about no other foundation can anyone lay than the foundation of Jesus. Okay, that foundation is your salvation. Now, we build on this foundation. In other words, you do things after salvation. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. I do believe there's going to be vastly different rewards in heaven. Now, getting to heaven, that's the same for everybody. Believe in Jesus. But everything you do post-salvation is going to determine, well, as Gary Habermas says, your capacity to experience and enjoy heaven. Now, Bert, let me just say this, you should, everybody should want rewards in heaven, not so you can boast or anything, but we're going to lay it at Jesus' feet and say, you know, all glory to the Lamb, worship Jesus. And so some people say to me, Bert, they'll say, well, yo, I don't want any rewards, I'm just content just to scrape through and get in the door. But you know what? Uh, not everybody's going to be the Apostle Paul. Somebody's going to be Apollos. Somebody's going to be, you know, the others. Not everybody's going to be Billy Graham. Not everybody's going to be Chuck Colson. But every believer, me and Bert and everyone listening, we can all be what God called us to be. And so, Bert, I believe we ought to be obedient and try and serve and obey. So we'll we'll not enter heaven empty-handed, but we'll have some crowns of honor and worship and glory to lay at his feet
2: amen i heard this story a long time ago there's this methodist and baptist church in a small community side by side and yep. it's back before air conditioning it is in the summer so they had windows you know up and the fans going you know and and the Methodists were singing, "Will there be any crowns, any crowns, uh, when in when I get to heaven?" And the Baptists was singing, "No, not one, no, not one." <laughs> so, now that's that's Bert Harper joke, and I know it's not very good, but anyway, I I believe we are going to receive it, and I do believe that uh, again we cast those crowns at his feet. You don't want to go empty-handed. You want to go so you can praise him and do that. Thank you. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Colby. Colby, welcome.
4: Hi, brothers. Uh, I have got a question. Why is John, who wrote so many prophecies, not considered a major prophet? Is it because he was an apostle?
2: Okay. Um, Well, the major prophets, the way it's lined out, the way people have done it in the Bible— uh, that's the old testament now there's prophets uh in the new testament I, revelation especially uh he he it was prophecy and it was alex but putting a major into it like the old testament it it's anyway i yeah. it's not in,
1: considered that in terms of the yeah. new covenant uh john is really the only prophet <laughs> you know yeah. um a lot of times the old testament um if you look at you know older commentaries they refer to the hebrew scriptures and so when we say minor prophet, major prophet, you know, we're, we're generally, well, not generally, but we're talking about the Old Testament, Old Covenant, Hebrew scriptural writers. Now, the New Covenant, the New Testament, um, there's really only one book of prophecy, and, and you're right, it is immeasurably significant, the book of Revelation. But, um, you know... I think in heaven, uh, John could definitely fellowship right alongside Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel. But just in terms of how we describe the scriptures, the, the term major prophet or minor prophet is, is generally reserved for the Old Testament Hebrew writers.
2: And those terms have been given to them by men, Colby. They, I mean, you know, yeah. as Alex and I, we've recently gone through a survey of the prophets, and we would say this, only in the length of volume are, is the major and minor considered. I mean, you don't get anything more major than Micah when he said in 5-2 in Bethlehem, you know, where the mm-hmm. Savior would come. So, uh, but that that's, that's us trying to... Alex, we do that so we can try to understand things. We, we put labels we, and group things together, trying to help yeah. ourselves and others, don't we?
1: We do. And, you know, um, the the Jews, they viewed their Old Testament basically in three sections, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. It's interesting. Uh, Torah, Nevi'im was prophets, and Ketuvim was writings. That's right. And so they didn't even say major and minor prophets. They just said the prophets. But... You know, I think we, we categorize and organize to try to remember and understand.
2: We do. And uh, sometimes, as you said a, a few minutes ago about other things, not everybody gets it right. Not all of those categories are as effective as they need to be. Thank well you. said. Thank you, Colby. Let's go to Texas and talk to Heather. Heather, welcome. Hi. Um.
7: Thank you for taking my call. I have a question about um the phrase tough love um i've had kind of a really hard life and been abused since i was little and i ran a hard way and i've always just kind of needed help and the lord has been so good to me and has always provided but I' almost everyone has it helped me always just gets frustrated and um abandons me and i I love the word of God. It says Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And when the people tell me it's tough love and then they leave me, like I don't understand how that reconciles with Jesus love. And I just don't want to disappoint Jesus. How do I know that I'm doing it right?
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, Heather, uh, tough tough life. Um, uh, you know, it I understand that happens, and it's true with so many people. Tough love, we that originated a lot from, uh, again, one of your mentors and a man you used to work with quite a bit. Not necessarily originated with him, but he made it, I would say, more uh, known to the public. Tough love, Alex, and that's yeah. Dr. Dobson. Let me read this scripture, uh, Heather, and let me just share with you. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That is great love. But listen to this bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's great love. But it goes on, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own works, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. And not in another. For each one shall bear his own load or own burden. Uh, there, there's a time for love, which is poured out, and one of the spiritual gifts is showing mercy, and you're to do that. But there's also a spiritual gift, kind of a prophetic thing, in saying no, we can't go there. And and I think that's demonstrated in Galatians six. Uh, uh, one through five, Alex, with bear one another's burdens, bear your own load. Uh, it is it is being led by the Holy Spirit in helping others. And tough love is always, if it's done correctly, it's always to help the one who is being loved, isn't it?
1: It is. And uh, I want to thank you for listening and, and thank you for calling. I mean, it really is a great honor to hear from you. And I'm sorry that in life you've suffered uh, you know, it's interesting, the word for suffering is the word that's often translated as Passover, and Jesus suffered to pay for our sins, and Hebrews 5, 8 talks about that. We we don't, uh, and the word is Pascha, You'll, you've heard the word Paschal Lamb. Now, we can't suffer for our own sins, our sins were paid for by Christ, but do you know sometimes, even as a born-again believer, we do go through things that Uh, Are you know painful? We suffer, Um, but that's one of the wonderful things God gave the human race two wonderful gifts: the family and the church. And sometimes people don't have family, but we have the family of God. And and let me just say this one last thing: Um, the Bible says if a man would have friends, he must show himself friendly. There's one of the kind of rules of reality. Give away what you need. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but um, if you want friendship, then with the help of God, be friendly. Make friends. Uh, If you want to be loved, then sow love into the lives of others. And I know people don't always come through. Sometimes, in fact, people can let us down. But one of the beautiful things is Christ loved us even though we weren't really lovable. And with his help and for his glory, we can love others. And Bert, it's just, um, I know one of the chronic challenges of our time is loneliness. But you know what? With the church and being Christians and the Holy Spirit within us, the, the solution to loneliness, honestly, is through Jesus. And so we're praying for you. We're praying. Thank you for listening. I, I I hear pain in your voice, but you keep your eyes on Christ. You keep representing Christ. You be in a good church. And I, I know God is going to meet the needs of your heart as you walk with him and serve him.
2: Heather, we are praying. Father, help Heather strengthen her. I pray that the people you have for her in her life to help her, to strengthen her, you would bring about. And Father, I pray that as Alex suggested to Heather, surround herself in a church and a small group with people who care and love her. We trust you and we ask you to do it for her in Jesus name. We're going to come back with more of your questions right after this break. Thank you for to listening for Exploring the Word.
7: So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann
5: Cockrell and Kendra White. Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Find the podcast at AFR.net.
0: Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each
4: weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital
0: on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there.
4: You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65
2: A.D., while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, Marked by the increased anti Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 AD, Paul directed Timothy to his speech and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. James 5, verse 16 says this, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Years ago, Michelle and I traveled to Colorado for the first time and saw aspen trees. We learned that though each of these beautiful trees is individual, underneath they share the same root system. They literally cannot survive without one another. Now you certainly are an individual, but you are not intended to live without community. And God intends that we support one another and nurture one another. Much of that happens through the local church body. So be intentional about your fellowship with your church. Make it a point to worship together and to pray for one another. You will grow best when you grow with other believers. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. finding myself
1: in the midst of you, beyond the music. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to get right back to the calls, 888-589-8840. Hey, listen, here's a good Christmas gift, a trip to the Cove next summer, July 8 through 10. I'm going to be there the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville, and I'll be teaching through 1 Peter, a lot of a biblical worldview and apologetics, how to defend your faith. The website is thecove.org. It is fantastic i i assure you it's beautiful and uh july 8 through 10 come on out and we'll study the word of god together at the cove but right now bert i want to go back to the calls and where shall we go now
2: let's go to your state of north carolina and talk to john john what part of north carolina are you from uh yes sir i'm in uh carthage north carolina Okay, oh, Alex, yeah. you know where that is?
1: I absolutely know where Carthage is. <laughs> okay. I really do. Yeah,
2: and you've, Alex, you've been in Carthage, Mississippi, too, haven't
1: you? I have preached in both Carthages. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, That's good. welcome, brother.
2: Yeah, welcome, John. Go ahead.
4: Well, thank you. Hey, I just want to tell you that uh, I, in 2021, I replaced everything that I did on the radio. I was used to be a news junkie, and uh, and uh, your entire station has really been a blessing to me every day going. Forward and back to work and everything. Uh, so I just wanted to praise God for your radio station first before I answered my or gave you my question. Thank you, um, John. But my Thank question you. is sure, absolutely. My question is in regards to Exodus 4:24, uh, and uh, you know it, it kind of confused me a little bit, in which um, it states something I'm paraphrasing to the effect of. Um, prior to Moses going to, to speak to Pharaoh one of the times, God had decided that he was going to kill him and then um, had changed his mind a couple of verses later in regards to um, uh, a circumcision. And, and, and really, so I, I wasn't really quite sure as to why God at that point wanted to kill him. Was it uh, possibly for um, uh, God being angry about um Uh, Moses requiring Aaron to speak for him. Um, uh, But I I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that.
2: Okay, fantastic question. It is an unusual phrase here, and it came to pass on the way, on the way he's going, at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, notice what happened. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off, you know, he circumcised his son, cast it at Moses' feet, Uh, Alex, do you think it was Moses kind of doing away with his identity and his purpose? Is that connected with this?
1: I, I think it really is. I absolutely do, because Moses, look, he had been groomed for 80 years for this job to go and not only, uh, speak that, you know, uh, preach to Pharaoh, lead the people, and Moses was, was trying to get out of his job and really, in a way, deny his identity. I mean, it's almost like renouncing God. And it, it's funny, I'm looking at Exodus 4.24 right now in the original language, and it does say, you know, kill him. because Now, here's the thing, this was not murder. God could not commit murder, by the way. God gives life, God calls it in. Hebrews nine twenty it is appointed unto man once to die. And uh, l- let me say this, God has his sovereign plans and purposes, but I want to live so that I'm useful to the Lord, and he'll leave me here as long as it's appropriate. Um, Bert, is it possible for even one of God's servants who are unwilling to be used, unwilling to obey, and maybe God says, "Okay, well, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to call you on home."
2: <laughs> I I could I I know that's true. I've sometimes some things unexpected has happened to some individuals, and I I don't know, and I'm not going to read into it. I just know it's possible, and uh, for me to make that call, I I've found out I better not make that call. That's God's, but. Yes, and you start with God, stay with God, finish with God. Alex, that's the whole idea. You continue on. Exactly.
1: I I want to be useful to God as long as humanly possible.
2: Amen. Amen. Hey, let's go to Arkansas and talk to Lynn. Lynn, welcome.
5: Hi, thank you. Um, First of all, I've got a question, a Bible question, but I wanted to ask each one of you your opinion on what the best Bible dictionary that you've seen is.
2: Okay. Uh
1: I'm trying to think Bert, I've got a couple of really good Bible dictionaries and I'm trying to remember who published them. Um y- you go first. Let me think. Well here. I'm
2: trying to think. You know, you got Unger's Bible Dictionary. Yes. Uh I, I don't know who published, but it is one that I I have a shelf that's got my quick books. I, now, that's not meaning computers, but it's books that I grab real quick. They're on the shelf right beside mm-hmm. my desk, and I'm there. Strong's Concordance. And, again, because of the Internet, I don't have to go to it as much as I do, but I still have it, and that dictionary is still there, Alex.
1: And I've got one by Holman, H-O-L-M-A-N. It's a really big – I can see it now. It's got a black cover. But, but a Holman Bible Dictionary. Um, but thank you for wanting some good reference books in your Christian library. I commend you.
2: Okay, go ahead, Land. What's your question?
5: Okay, my question is, um, I uh, got something that's uh, meant to be an outreach for new believers, and um, but I wanted to go through it first to make sure it was okay. So anyway... There's a part in here that says time for commitment, and it talks about being perfect, like, you know, the, the verse in Matthew 5.48, where it says, be perfect like your father's perfect. And in the the commentary that the uh, booklet says, it says, one day you will not make any mistakes. Total commitment eventually brings total deliverance from sin. And I don't believe that's true, Mm. I mean, we always sin, and so um, to me that was misleading, but yet there's that verse, I mean, in Matthew, do you think that just means striving to be perfect?
2: Alex, first of all, the he who says he has no sin is a liar, and the truth is not in him, and I, I, I do have kind of a side to me that I try to hide on the radio, but it comes out every once in a while. This man came to me. I, he had said, man, I have not sinned. And he told me how long it had been. And I said, well, you just messed that up. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know uh, this perfection that we, uh, sinless perfection is not going to be reached. Uh, we, we will not be sinless, but we can sin less. And we're to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our striving. We are, but will we reach that uh, bodily perfection here upon earth, Alex?
1: You know, uh, by the way, God bless you. Thanks for ministering. We had this conversation this year, probably seven or eight months ago. We had this question, very, very fascinating. The Matthew five forty-eight, the word translated "perfect" is the word "teleos." Uh, which means design or purpose or plan or ideal state. Uh, God has a plan for you, and maybe you've heard in apologetics we often do what's called the teleological argument. Teleos is design. The world has a design. There must have been a designer. So when it says, uh, be therefore perfect, it, it literally means in Matthew 5:40, be in the design. Now what does that mean? Well, for a born-again believer, what is the design for a believer? To walk with God? To pursue righteousness? To grow into the conformity of Jesus Christ? In other words, those things we do. We read the Word, we pray, we go to church, Hebrews 10.25. By the way, if you're a Christian, you need to be in church on Sunday. That's part of what it means to be a Christian, is to affiliate with a local body of believers. So... Bert, I, I believe in this life we cannot achieve sinless perfection. Now, I know one day in heaven we're going to be in a glorified body and uh, we will not sin anymore. This mortal will put on immortality. Even Christians stumble and sin. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says confess and he'll forgive. But I, I think the Matthew five forty eight it's not implying that we can achieve perfection in this life in and of ourselves. But be be teleos, be in the design of what a Christian is supposed to be. And, Bert, I, I've met a few Christians that weren't in the, the model and the footsteps of what a okay. believer should be, it too, is. haven't you?
2: You do. And if you're not, you need to confess and say, Lord, I repent, I turn, I turn to you to walk in your steps. The steps of a godly man are ordered of the Lord. They're in that design and so, Leon, thank you so much. Let's go to Illinois and talk to Rhonda. Rhonda, welcome. Hi. Yes, go I right ahead.
7: This is, um, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. This is, uh, I guess, somewhat of a selfish question. I was saved later in life, and I was uh, delivered from drugs, and I was very Happy and on fire for the Lord. And uh, I got sick in September of 18 with a severe headache and ringing in the ears that I still have to this day. They can't figure out what it is. Uh, I'm basically an invalid. Uh, I've tried to go off of pain medicine they put me back on pain medicine tried to go off of it i can't function without it um doctors can't help me and i'm losing my faith
2: okay and Rhonda, i've prayed oh me bless mm-hmm. your heart uh, we hear the pain uh listen paul I, I just want to share this, and I—I I mean, we're going to pray for you, but I—and uh, that's not an out. When we say we're going to pray for you, it doesn't mean oh, we don't—we're going to get out of this. No, we are going to. But Paul was told, "I'm going to show how much he's going to suffer for me." I—I've noticed this, Alex. Uh, in you're talking about teaching First Peter,
7: mm-hmm.
6: and, and
2: it talks about that about. Difficulties come in seasons, they're multicolored, and usually they come in waves and then they let up. But it seems in scripture, and I've saw observed it in life, Rhonda, and this is why I bring it up, that there seems to be some ever so often, a life of suffering, and it can come in many forms. And do we pray for the relief? Yes. Paul prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh to be taken away. We don't know exactly what it was, but all God said to him, No, my grace is sufficient. And so, Rhonda, we pray for healing, but then we're going to pray for grace being sufficient, no matter what God's answer is. Alex, would you add that for Rhonda, please?
1: Rhonda, we're praying for you. And and let me just say this, and and we really need to devote a whole show to this topic at some point, but there's your body and your soul. And really, um, if if we're gonna be very biblical, within the non-physical part of who we are, there's the spirit and the the mind. Okay? Now when you get saved, God forgives your sins, but he, may, he quickens you in the spirit. He makes you alive. You're regenerated. Now, in 1 John 3, 2, very interesting. Um, 1 John 3, 2 says, I pray that you will be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. Well, now, how healthy is the born-again soul? 100%. You're saved. But now, our body and our emotions sometimes aren't right there. And one of the things, let me just say this, because Romans twelve talks about renewing our mind. I encourage you to focus on your true status with Jesus. Now, sometimes our bodies, we have to go to the doctor, we have to, you know, exercise. I mean, the the, the stewardship of the body is a lifelong endeavor, isn't it, Bert?
2: It is. And Rhonda, we're we're gonna take time and pray right now. Father, yes. I pray for Rhonda. God, I don't know all the plans you have for her. I don't know how you can use what she's going through in order to minister. But your word says God takes all this, and he works it for good. Now, when we're hurting and in pain, Father, it doesn't seem good. But verse 29, following verse 28 in Romans, is, says that we might be conformed to the very image of Christ So in his suffering that was so hard and so long, Father, we came to him. And I pray in Rhonda's suffering that she would be more like Christ. I pray for her in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Rhonda,
2: we are praying for you and asking God just to do something. You who are listening, write Rhonda's name down and pray for her. Let's pray and ask God to Give her what she needs, healing and or grace, because he is able to do so. And so we want to do that. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, let me just do this before we go to the last call today. Uh, starting Monday, we're going to have a new series on of Exploring the Word. And, mm-hmm. fi- and Alex, it's about truths that you find in God's Word. Jim, you and me, we all contributed to that and we're inviting people to listen i think it'll be a blessing to them don't you
1: absolutely we are, i was going to say we have some very special programming next week and then on Fireway friday we'll be live next week but tune in to exploring the word because we jim stanley Bert harper and myself we prayed about it we did some things i think are going to be pretty special around christmas time
2: we will hey we're i thought we could get to another call cole tommy and i'm sorry. Tommy, your question about who will be in heaven, those that have trusted Jesus Christ, the Old Testament saints that look forward to Christ, those that were with him, that loved him and followed him and said yes to the Lord, and those of us who have come after him looking back at what he's done, it's going to be a great, great number in heaven. All those babies, Alex, they're going to be in heaven that that were aborted, that was miscarried, killed, they're going to be there, aren't they?
1: They are going to be there, folks, and we want you to be there, too, so call on Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to Exploring the Word. Please know that God is with you, God is for you, and Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Tell somebody about him today, and thank you for listening.